Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Come on, LifePoint Church. How's everybody doing? It's good to see all you guys. So many smiling faces right now because it's afternoon. You guys are awake. That's what I'm talking about. It's so good to have you guys here with us in the room, or maybe you're out in the tent or in the lobby or online. Thank you for joining us. My name's Andrew Garcia. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint Church, and today we've got a special guest up here with me, uh, a member of our church community, Dave Galbraith. Can you guys give it up for Dave real quick? Dave is a spiritual mentor. Um, he's a coach. Uh, he's, he, if you know him, he's, he's an incredible person. Um, he's got this, this grandpa-like wisdom that you guys are about to get to experience today. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a really, really good time. And today, as you can tell, we're pivoting a, normal, a little bit from our normal flow as we kind of bring our eight-week series to a close. Um, and we wanna get really, really practical, as I like to say, so practical that it's painful. So look at your neighbor next to you and say, painful. But it's gonna be a good time, I promise. Uh, Dave has helped hundreds of people get from stuck uh, to breakthrough. And as a coach, as a, a consultant, as a counselor, he has helped people move from where they are to where God wants them to be and live uh, life and life to the full. And I think this uniquely positions uh, Dave to have a conversation with us today about what it means to have peace within. Because as we bring this series to a close, we really, really want to be able to walk away practically and walk in and out the peace that God has for us, the life of flourishing that we were meant to experience. And so instead of having these uh, moments of flourishing, we want to create movements within our lives. And before we kind of dive on in today, I'm going to give Dave a second here to go ahead and just introduce himself, talk about himself, and the breakthrough moments ministry that he has. Hey, everybody. Good to be with you. I'm just... Uh... A regular guy. In fact, here, hold this a minute. I gotta get rid of this. <laughs> You're gonna get friendly, Dave. Now. There you go. All right. Now he really is a regular guy. Eleven forty-five. Um, I've heard about you people. I know what's going on when you got the extra cup of coffee and, uh, you know, you're juiced up. So here we go. Good to be with you. I, uh, my wife and I started attending LifePoint last year a bit, and so I've been in and out uh, doing some traveling, but uh, we consider this our home church now. We're, we're trying to find ways to to uh, settle in, so you may be, I hope to meet a lot of you along the way just doing that. Uh, whatever Andy just called me there, a spiritual uh, coach or mentor, or whatever, I want to be those things. I try to be those things. Uh, I put some different hats on. There is a counselor hat on that I put on, but uh, I hope you won't look at me as anything more than he's part of us. And uh, so when I'm sharing today, I'm sharing because some of the things we're going to talk about are uh, together things. There, there are things that cannot happen without us being together. Some of you don't believe that, by the way. 
or you have a lifestyle that suggests that that's not true. You're, you're your own person. You don't have any go-tos. There's no safe places. You don't tell people what's really going on. Uh, you'll man up or you'll woman up, get her done. That's who you are. That's what you're all about. By the way, I'm talking about the guy in the mirror when I say that. What would have to happen for you to give serious consideration to what God might be wanting to talk to you about today? I don't know what we're competing with here, but my guess is a lot. Stuff is going on in your life. And so, Andy, I want to be more than anything else. I want to put the hat of uh, encourager today. See if I can't add something into the mix that you all could consider seriously uh, about trying. Uh, give you a tool, something that says, what am I going to do with all this flourish stuff? Well, it sure sounds good. Uh, man, those, the preaching's been good. And by the way, you realize, don't you, that you're in a church where the teaching and preaching is at a high, high level. They're giving you great Word of God stuff, but they're also giving you practical, real-world application. That doesn't happen everywhere. So I'm not here to lift them up. They got their junk too, right? But I am here to tell you that when Flourish for seven weeks is out there, and you've been listening to that, some of you, all of those, you've either begin to listen intently with, I wonder what that is for me, or how do I begin to take a spiritual next step, or you've been completely ignoring it, because that's how you roll. I'm going to come, I'm going to listen, I'm going to feel good, then I'm going to go and not do anything about it. And by the way, that's also was me for a lot of my life. And so I'm not pointing my finger at anybody, I hope you don't hear that, but I am saying that uh, this is the end of that series. And I'm hoping that as an encourager, we can uh, send you on your way today uh, with great hope. And what's the next thing God wants to do in me? Am I ready to act upon it? So good to be with you guys. I'm glad I'm part of the group. And so before we kind of just dive in, I want to I frame the conversation for us today, starting with the verse that kind of sets up this entire series. And it's Psalm 92, verses 12 through 14. And it'll be on the screen here. The, it says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. This is what we have been tapping into, that to flourish in any season, through any circumstance, no matter your age of, in life, it starts right, by being in relationship to God. You're connected, you're committed to the presence of God. And what we find in this verse is it's, it spells it out for us. It is the righteous that flourish, a meaning right standing. It doesn't mean you always get it right. It means you attempt to do your best to get it right. And this peace with God that we find access to, that we have access to, comes because of the life of Jesus, that when we believe in Jesus, the gift that we get from him is his righteousness to us, right? It's, it's gifted to us. And we see this across scripture, like in Romans 3, through 26, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Right? You could summarize the gospel in a way with just what is being written here in Romans. But to flourish to what I would call what Jesus calls life and life abundant, it's more than just the good life. Like It's more than the white picket fence, the cars, the careers. It's stepping into what Pastor Jenny opened up this entire series with, the birthright and the blessing of God to humanity. That as we partner with God to, uh, to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the earth, right? to exercise the authority and the sovereignty that he's, he has given us, the first command that God gave to humanity was go out, be fruitful, and multiply. This is your birthright and the blessing. But then sin enters the picture, or like I like to define it, our attempt to get good without God. Right? Sin would simply be an attempt to get good without God. It broke the relationship, the connection that we had to God. And so Jesus comes to set the record straight. Jesus came to do to be what we could not be perfect in heart, mind, and soul, in all of his ways, to pin sin through his death to the cross and give us access to the peace, the life that comes through God. And so the flourishing life is found in peace with God, peace with others, and as we're going to walk through today, peace within. And for many of us, I think believers and unbelievers alike, we struggle, when we struggle with peace in general, it's usually first and foremost because we're not in God's presence. And then as believers who find themselves in God's presence and still aren't experiencing peace, that's because I think we forget that we have a part to play in peace. We have to partner with God in the pursuit of a kingdom of peace, working heaven on earth through our own head, heart, and hands. It's a partnership. And just because peace doesn't come from us doesn't mean that God doesn't intend for peace to flow through us. But peace requires a plan. And the problem that we struggle with is if you're anything like me, it's what I struggle with, I kind of live my life reactively rather than proactively. Like instead of setting up a hedge around my life spiritually, financially, emotionally, mentally, I dive headfirst into life. Like I wake up and it's like, dude, I'm ready to seize the day. Like go and get it. And how many of you guys know that leaves us open to the pressures that the world has? It leaves us exposed because we're not always disciplined and have the right principles in play within our lives to protect us from the things that are going to come at us in life. And to bring it real home for us right now, if you look at the data, all of the data right now suggests that we're, we're in a really bad emotional spot. Like the world is, the world and everyone in it is struggling right now. It doesn't matter the culture, your color, it doesn't matter your background, how wealthy or, or poor you are. Everyone feels the weight of life right now. They're strapped under stress. We feel pulled down by the pressure. It's like we're drowning in the currents of life. So what are we going to do about it? And today, Dave is, is about to walk us through what he sees, what he hears, based on all the conversations that he's a part of, 
what he sees and hears from people and his perspective about what he sees coming on the horizon. So Dave, can you kind of walk us through that? The word that jumped off the page as you were saying that was this uh, reactively, react. Uh, most of us today perhaps have a plan, what I'm going to do, I'm going to act a certain way, I'm going to do certain things that are in the, in the proactive way. That would be a hope and a desire for any of us, right? I've got a game plan, I'm working it. Uh, whether I'm conscious of it or whether that's just the way I roll. The fact of the matter is that life, by and large, is much more reactions than it is actions. Something has happened. What am I going to do about it? Somebody said something. How do I feel about it? Somebody didn't go my, my way, my plan. How do I fill that gap? That's life. Uh, and so the expectations that we have and desires of our heart that are legitimate don't always get met. And so we're in this how am I reacting thing regularly. And if we're looking at it as a follower of Jesus, we're going to say, was that a reaction that God would be, great, would be good with or not, right? The Holy Spirit talks to us about that. Sometimes there's very direct conviction. If you're like me, most of the mistakes you make in life are in reactive moments, emotional moments. And I would even say because it's flesh versus spirit, it's fleshly moments. I've chosen uh, volitioning, I've thought about it and chose wrong, or there's something in me that not, God has not yet changed, not yet healed, that makes me vulnerable, and so I sometimes do fill in the blank. Anybody like besides me got that? So you know what I'm talking about. And so if we're reactors all the time, and it's a good word, I should be reacting, right? I've got a responsibility to react then what's the result of that? I would propose to you, and Andy, as you're talking about that, that verse, that if reactions typically are emotional and oftentimes flesh, well then what, what do you do instead? So I would tell you the word is respond. It sounds the same, doesn't it? You may even use it. You may even interchange it. I, I responded to this thing somebody said or did. I would propose to you that a response is what the Scripture talks about when it says that the Holy Spirit of God, as he comes and takes over my heart, and I give him permission to set the stage so that whatever I'm going to be going through today, I can, with the presence and power of the Spirit of God, righteously handle that. Almost sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? What tricks do you need to pull that off? But that's what we're going to talk about today because... Uh, because that's where, that's where it comes down for those of us who are following Jesus. It's not a straight line, right? There's, there's dips. But oftentimes when you look at it, I didn't, I didn't respond by the power of the Spirit of God. I simply did my thing. I reacted the way. And if you ask people that know me, yeah, you can pretty much count on that from them. Is that what we want? Uh, of course not. We want people to see change and transformation things that God is beginning to do. And you know that guy, Dave, he used to be king of the mountain, and he would play it, and if you're in his way, he's just going to roll over you. That's, that's how I would describe me back in the day. God had to do something in me before that could change. He began to do it. He's still working on it. But uh, 
Do you love the verse in Philippians 1 where it says, uh, uh, be sure of this one thing. He who began this good work in you is going to carry it on to completion until the day of the Lord. That's the most practical, real world, isn't it? Uh, truth. I grab that all the time. Uh, and, and so patiently, kindly, he gives us a lifetime, one step at a time to continue to move toward him, to continue to do it his way. And some areas are a little tougher than others. They fall in that react mode, Andy. So uh, I'll stop there because I want, I want to de I'll develop that more as we talk. But um, think react versus respond, okay? Par park that in your brain somewhere near the front. I, I think, uh, you know, on that, there's, there is that real tension between, you know, we, we know that we believe, but what do we do when we believe? But it, f it feels like, right, what's happening around us, God has kind of just abandoned us. Like where we, where we feel we have this sense that, God, you have left me to fend for myself, even though we know that's not what we think, but what we feel often drives us. And, and what I love is that Jesus was really, with, with great foresight, was trying to prepare us for this. You know, if you turn to John 16, and he's trying to talk about these moments when we seem to forget that God is there. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Like Jesus in this moment, he's speaking to his disciples about what's, what's about to transpire for them. Like things are about to go downhill very quickly. And I get this sense that he wasn't just speaking to them, but beyond them to those who would believe. And it's like Jesus was saying, you need to position yourself for the problems that are coming. It's not if they come, it's when they come. And you need to be anchored to keep yourself planted, to flourish against the flow of fear, of brokenness, of anxiety, of, of hopelessness, of being overwhelmed, of, of darkness, the darkness that is definitely coming your way. And a, a few weeks ago when we were meeting about this, you had shared the story of, of Buffalo. You were talking about how Buffalo, whenever they sense a storm coming, instead of turning and running away like other animals would do, they turn and start running into the storm. And you had made this great, this great contrast that as Christians, or an example that as Christians, we should be like the buffalo. We should be, God is telling us through his word that we should be prepared for the fact that storms are coming, troubles will be ready. And when you're not experiencing them, your life should be full of preparing for what is to come. That you don't have to be helpless, you don't have to be hopeless, you don't operate from that kind of a position that you should be operating from knowing that because you're in me and I am in you, you can stand on my word and you can know that I will see you through. So don't run from the problem. Don't run from the season. Don't run from your circumstance. Stand tall and firm and planted in me. That we can flourish. I mean, let, as, I'll just tag into that for a minute. You used the word overwhelmed, and I was trying to think of how I would describe people that typically would, would spend time with me. It's not always this, but... Uh, they tend to be on the reactive side, and they are truly overwhelmed. You may use, is, that, is that a word you use sometimes with people where you're trying to say, hey, what's going on? And the only thing you can say is, oh, I'm pretty overwhelmed right now. <laughs> too much on the plate, too much going on, too many problems, whatever. It's not uncommon for us to get there, right? And some of that we choose by our decisions and actions, and it's a consequence. Other parts of it, it's almost like we've got a target on our back. 
in the world we live in, culturally, you realize that in some ways we do. The enemy of our soul would do anything to disrupt and distract and to get us off target. And so if a culture that doesn't like Jesus anyway looks at you and says, there's something about you that threatens me or it's not true to what I believe or don't believe, then I'll go after you. So there's even targets in that respect, right? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But the reality is the devil's not behind every bush. That doesn't always happen because he's out to get us, but it, it does represent pieces of our life where sometimes somebody says, the two things I need to tell you, Dave, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. My list is very long. Where do I start? And then the second thing they almost always say is something needs to change. Something needs to happen. I just don't know what it is. Does that represent you in moments? It sure represents me. So I say that kind of as a state of the situation. It's only getting hard. 2024. Election. It's going to be bad. Whichever way it goes, it's going to be bad. It's going to, it's going to disrupt our lives, maybe in a way it's never done before. You realize that, right? Israel and Ukraine are at war, and we watch it every day on TV. Think that doesn't affect us? Inflation, the minute I go shop for something in the grocery store, I just get ticked off. <laughs> How is that even possible that, that they're charging me that much for that? And yet that's the world we live in, and whether we're conscious of that or not, that's building up in us. And one day when somebody asks us, How you doing? You say, I'm overwhelmed, and I can't even hardly define what that means. So I'm not, this isn't a motivational speech today for you. I'm not going to get any kudos for that, but do you hear what I'm saying? And, and so that's what we want to talk about. What do you do in a life of that? Jesus is sleeping in the undercarriage of a boat while the disciples are in a storm, and they're all uptight, and what are we going to do? And we may die, and he's down there snoring. And so something's either he's disconnected and doesn't understand, or he has gotten it. They finally realized he's gotten it. We want what he has. And as he calmed the storm, he first taught them, and he reminded them that there's going to be a lot of storms in your life. If you're trying to run from that, to Andy's point, uh, good luck. But that's not what Jesus talks about in his word by his spirit. And so we enter in to that because God's going to use that in our lives. He's going to use that. Do I believe that? Is that actually possible? So I intercepted you there. Well, it, and I think it's, it's crazy, right? Because even when you're still talking, when you come back to the storm, right, the reason that the buffalo run into it again is to get through it faster, right? The longer you run away from it, the longer you end up running in it. And how do we flourish against a future in, in spite of what we see, in spite of what we sense, in spite of what it is that our feelings seem to be convincing us of. And what God calls us into is even in our brokenness as individuals and as a community, that we can walk and stand in his word and that he can see us through and that we will come out on the other side with, with a, a kind of prosperity that we didn't realize was possible for us. And conceptually, I think we get that, but I think a lot of us struggle with what that looks like practically. And so, Dave, you have these examples about circles that you want to walk us through. Can you, uh, can you go ahead and talk about that? Yeah. Let me tell you, 
Let me tell you, first of all, about a hero of mine. If you're a basketball fan, you may recognize his name. His name is John Wooden. He was, back in the day, uh, he was maybe the greatest basketball coach of all time. The reason they would call him that is because in, a, in an 11-year period, as the coach of the UCLA Bruins, uh, he won nine national championships. Nine out of 11 years. Crazy, just, just a, a number that's so out of reach that you can't even relate to it. But what was most clear about John Wooden as you watched him and listen to him is he's the guy that didn't do what most of the other coaches did. They were uh, scolding their players out loud in front of the th thousands of people. They were berating officials for a bad call. Uh, I knew a guy up in Indiana named Bobby Knight back in the day. He was one of, had one of the best teams in the world. And he was throwing, throwing chairs across the court because he was mad about something. And John Wooden was one day asked, why aren't you like all those guys? He wasn't trying to get on them. He just said, look, game time is too late. Think about that a minute. As you think about what we were talking about reaction-wise. And, and something happened. It pushed my button. It put me in a place where I was going to go one way or the other, react in my own stuff, usually junk or follow God in this moment. It was a big difference maker, which way I went. It would affect my life sometimes forever. You ever realize the stakes are pretty high. And so I, I share that with you because I think the preparation piece, Andy, this idea that where's the work? I was thinking about that as I was, I was just enjoying and being blessed by the worship this morning. Weren't, they, weren't those guys great? Just... Uh, it just helps us. We, go, we draw together, and they draw us toward the throne of Jesus. And whatever's going on in our lives, for those moments, it allows us to even emotionally enter in, right? We're, we're there. We're, we're, we're tracking. Uh, it's hard not to when you're in this room, even if you're not feeling it. So that really helped me. But is that all there is in worship? God oftentimes, several times in the Old Testament particularly said, hey, guys, if you think that building altars and and burning incense and, and sacrificing a lamb is what I'm all about. I'm going to tell you that the greatest way you can worship me is to obey me. Don't you hate that? <laughs> uh, but it's part of the deal. So there's this, God lets us experience the togetherness, the emotional, whatever. But he's even now in this moment talking to some people individually. I don't know who you are. But I know you're out there. And he's saying, I want to deal with you. I want you to get serious on this. I want you to listen close, whatever that might be. He's not wrapping his finger at you. He's inviting you into that. Because this is one thing, a group thing. And another thing, it's a very individual thing that's going to require action. And I think Andy spoke that very, very well. So what is the mix of that in your life? When do you get off your spiritual high because you just experienced great worship and get your pad and your pencil out and say, God, speak to me. Tell me what, it, what you want next in my life. God, convict me of things that are not from you. Do I have the guts? Do I have the courage? Do I have a process which allows for that just as equally as my time of corporate worship? That makes sense? So I, I think that's what's going on with us. Where do you take this? A series like 
flourished where we've had wonderful teaching by an amazing staff of pastors and teachers who are really doing a, a top-notch job. You, you realize that, right? You're getting this level of stuff. And, and so the, it's been teed up for you for seven weeks now as to, okay, so what do I do with this? There's, this is churning in me. What do you mean flourish? How do I do that? I, maybe some of you are even arguing or rejecting that idea. That's not possible in my life. We're telling you it is. Wonder who's right. <laughs> Just saying. Well, I'm not always right. You're not always right. I think we're right. And to flourish is God's plan for us. So I hope you're taking it seriously. Maybe God's already been speaking to you. Maybe he'll speak to you today. Um, so circles, you said. Let me just quickly show the circles. Uh, if game time is, in fact, too late, how do I begin to attack the spiritual next steps which are in my life? Uh, those circles are just one way. I'm not a theologian. So there, but I think most theologians would generally say there's at least three components to the human experience. There is an out, outward circle, which is the body. It's the things we see. It's, oh, you wore that today. Oh, hey, you combed, you combed your hair. Uh, it's, uh, you spoke to me. Uh, there are surface-level things about us. There's things we do to get the attention of others. Uh, we're trying to create an image or a persona or be seen a certain way. Anybody besides me ever do that? It's kind of within the human's experience. Most of us do it. Some of us do it so much that it's easy to see. Some of us do it where it's not as easy to see. But it's out there on the edges of life. If you go to the center of those circles, it's what's called spirit. And what is it? spirit means, this is the internal me, who I am, regardless of what you see in the outward expression. Here's who I am. And because Annie was talking about this idea of, of uh, when God, through Christ, changes the very identity that we have. You realize that, right? It says, for those of us from Christ, we are new creations. The old is dead, and the new is alive. Is that possibly true? Or does that just mean I just try a little harder, be a little more religious, be a good person? That's not what that says. That says, he changed me and you, and I, we decided to trust our lives to the work of Christ. And so at that core level, at that spirit level, he said, regardless of your behavior, Dave, others, this is who you are. I'm going to help you act more and more that way, teach you, grow you, have patience with you, connect you with other people, and peace at a time. I'm going to begin to take you closer to the mark of what I have planned for you. That's that center. Well, that middle circle is called soul. You may use soul in all kinds of ways. You may have, anybody have a soulmate? Or say you have a soulmate? Maybe you had a soulmate and your soulmate's not there now. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? We get it. We, we groove on each other. We, 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 we think the same way. We're just, we're just all, you know, well, that, that's okay, I guess. I'm not trying to knock that, but uh, we find out eventually that, no, there's, there's some things that hinder soul maintenance. There's some things that we actually don't connect on. So is that a good way to use it? Yeah, it's one way to use it. 
But soul is where we live every day. It's this idea of, of uh, our emotions, what we're feeling. It's, um, it's decisions. I got a big one tomorrow, and I'm, I'm planning. I'm worried about it already. Uh, it's, that's in my soul life. How do I get ready for that? What am I doing in my prayer life to get ready for that? Who have I talked to that I trust that needs to be a part of that decision? Uh, how have I resourced myself in a way where I'm not going to make that decision uh, in a uh, vacuum? I'm going to do it with people in my life. You know, so choices, uh, how we think. Relationships are in that soul area. Our best relationships that we count on that are real, that are solid, and some of our not-so-good relationships, some of which we've chosen and still hang on to, may need to be eliminated. Others that are just, uh, that person's special. <laughs> that person, I, I'm committed to that person. Or they're a part of my life for this reason. Could be the right reasons. But you know what I'm talking about. Relationships. Hard, right? One of the hardest things in the world. So put all that together in the soup. That's what soul life is. Any when we talk about soul care, uh, it's this idea of replenishing my soul, filling my cup, being ready for what's coming. That's soul language. And so soul care, I, that's what I try to do. And with this replenishment, I'm going to sh show you in just a second the tools, is um, what, what is part of soul care. We all need it. It needs to be very intentional. And uh, listen close. So then if peace needs a plan, if you guys want to take a look at this card here, you might be sitting on top of it. Um, you want to grab that. You're going to see a little QR code on there. And... Dave is about to walk us through what it looks like on a practical level um, to begin to take inventory of our lives, what's in, what needs to go out, and, and how we can actually start putting this to work, I mean, as soon as today, but I think you have a process that you want them to actually walk through that he wants to explain to you, so that way you can get the most out of what does it mean to walk in peace, what does it mean to have rest, what does it mean to have the kind of replenishment that God has for me, and what's my part to play to make sure God can do what he promises me he can do? Yeah, thanks. Um, that, by the way, if you scan that QR or, or go to my website, uh, I'm not trolling for business here, guys. I'm just uh, saying that I think you'll find this stuff there easily. And uh, the 42 people in the first service who, who did that, and I don't know how many in the, in the second service, but I'm sure more of was a bigger crowd, uh, I'm grateful for that because they're at least checking it out. So maybe you will too. Uh, if flourish is a movement that gets us to a place where I am living a flourished life, there's a, a state of being that comes in that over time, then replenishment, which is the word I'm using, is, is a process of getting toward there, moving toward there, uh, caring for my soul, if you will, Okay. So that's the difference, but they're, they're very yoked together. Uh, so if you're looking at that particular uh, nine-page or ten-page ebook that that QR takes you to, it'll walk you through, well, what does it mean to be replenished? And on the other side, what does it mean when I'm depleted, when the negative side of my life, the things that are hardest for me, have somehow taken over? And it's hard for me to not let them dominate my life. Y'all been there with me on that? And so that's an inventory 
process. You may think you know what that is. You may have a handle on it to some degree, but I promise you none of us have the capacity to, over, to define that in a way that's most helpful. We need help on that. It's from God, by His Spirit, from others who know us well, who can speak into us. You, and you, and you don't believe that. And maybe more. I didn't believe that. Until in a crisis moment, I had people step into my life and speak into me in ways that I had never experienced before. And it was the difference maker. God used them to convince me that we are not walking alone. Ever. Never. Some of you are very practiced in walking alone. I just know you because I've been there. So this is a, something that revolves around together things. So replenishment is a process. And so the tool that you will read through, if you go to that spot, ends with two pages that allow you to do some inventory. Recognition of a problem always has to happen. If you've got a habit or an addiction or something you're hiding from somebody and you're doing, working your butt off, that's a technical term, Andy, I'm sorry, uh, to handle it, cover it up, maybe even get rid of it, and you haven't pulled it off yet, and there are some people in the room that are doing that, just know. The numbers work that way. So if you are, and again, I've been there, then uh, what in the world would I do with an inventory which says i got to recognize what my problem is? Maybe there's one thing in my life or one person in my life that's the problem. I just haven't dealt with it yet. I haven't sought help. Uh, I've been trying to do it all on my own. Anybody hear me? So whatever that is, when you're going to a, something like this where you're starting to make lists, you start with a side which says, what are the things in my life that most replenish me or fill my cup? I want as much of these things as I can get. Now those could be categories like uh, good relationships, uh, healthy living, health and wellness. It could be fun <laughs> in my life. My family has had to tell me sometimes, Dave, you're too serious. Dad, you're too serious. I mean, they just get all over me sometimes, and they're right. So I'm getting into fun right now these days. But it doesn't come natural to me. But it needs to probably be a category in my life that I take seriously because it fills my cup when I do it. How about you? Maybe it's something that I've got to stop, something I've got to start. So I've got a category on this inventory. Maybe it's something, I'll give you an example of one of the categories in mind. It's a, talking about retreat. I use retreat uh, in a literal sense, get away from everybody. And I, I schedule a retreat, replenishment day once a quarter. So I have at least four a year. And you say, hey, nice idea, that'd be good. Wish I had time, wish I had whatever. Every one of you have time. I promise you. What happens for me as I began to do that years ago is I would come back, not like Moses from the mountaintop carrying two uh, tablets and with a glow over his head. Uh, there's been a couple of times when I almost felt like that God came and he met me and he spoke to me and he encouraged my soul. And I can remember those days. And my wife, when I'd walk in, she'd say, oh, you've been with God today. <laughs> right? Where is that for you? But for me, I had to put it on the counter. 
she would worry most about me if she looked at the calendar and said, I don't see anything in the second quarter yet for you because she knows how important it is for me. It's a replenishment piece, and if I don't do that, I'm more vulnerable to other things. You hear what I'm saying? And so that's an example. So I do retreats with myself four times a year for one day. I get a journal and a Bible and my cell phone and a favorite beverage, and I get in the car, and I try not to drive over two hours, and I go to some of the favorite places in Central and South Texas. They're out there, baby. And I go there, and I do business with God, and I just refresh my soul. How do you do that? So I use that as an example to tell you that intentionality starts literally with things like calendaring and, and, and making plans and, and telling your wife or husband or friend where you're going. Hey, would you pray for me on that? Whatever that is. Maybe, it's an, maybe a category is where you serve outside of your world. Maybe some of you go to the food bank or go downtown and look at some folks that are really hurting right now and are lonely and scared, and they just need somebody to care for them a little bit. Great place to go and serve. Strong Foundation is a, is a place like that for me and my wife. It's downtown. Some of you may know about them. But there's lots of places like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm rambling on that to simply say, wherever you're at, you pick categories and you establish a replenishment plan. So if you have 10 things that replenish me and you have 10 things that deplete me, how do I merge those and come up with a few of those that I want to take some level of action on right now? You can't do it all, right? Long lists. Remember this. Somebody write this down just to humor me. Long lists are not our friends. They overwhelm us. That's why people are overwhelmed. There's too much to do. I'll never get it done or whatever. If you and I simply worked on the stuff that God's put on his finger right now, today, that we'd have our hands full. And we'd do it together with him. And one step at a time, Andy, after a couple of those things, momentum in our life actually shifts. It's the smaller little things that start that ball rolling and shift what's going on in your life. Does that make sense? And so you start there. So a replenishment plan is picking a few things. You want to make sure I'm doing stuff in that area. I'm going to do a new thing there to begin to give that some new life. There's a couple of these things on the depletion side I'm just going to get rid of. I know they don't belong there. I need help or I need to make a decision or I need to drive a stake in the ground and I'm going to do it and I'm going to share that with somebody. There's some of those things that I just need to learn how to handle them better because they're going to be a part of my life and I need help I need, I need some way to think through it, pray through it, work through it. So that's how that list comes together. You got it? At the end of that, you have a replenishment plan. It's got four or five categories, and you start the ball rolling. But here's what you do. You find somebody to share it with. Who would that be in your life? Could be your spouse. I don't know. Some of you, their spouses are your best friend. Some of you, you're careful what you share with your spouse. <laughs> I'm not trying to bring up a, I'm just saying, hey, we're all somewhere on that. But you tell your spouse, hey, I'm, I've, just, I've identified some things. There aren't a punishment plan. I want you to know about it. Uh, but I wouldn't recommend them being the first go-to. We set our spouses up all the time. 
because we think as long as I have that and I can dump my junk on them, I'll be good. How's that working for you? Doesn't usually. We set our spouses up oftentimes. That's not their primary role to hold us accountable to something. They want to be involved. They have interest. They have great. They want to root you on as you as you do things that are sending you closer to God. Of course they do. But they can't be the primary on that. So who is it that you would choose? About half of the people that I work with right now, some of these, some of the top leaders, you would recognize their names if I told you who sits on my couch and cries because their success has not gotten them where they want and they're struggling in their lives. <laughs> and guess what? When I ask them, who are you working with on this? Who, you, who knows about this in your life? Who are you sharing this with? Who's praying with you? About 50% of them say, sure wish I had that. I wonder if that same number's here today, Annie. Sure wish I had that. I don't know. There's some of you. I was that for a long time. So I'm not trying to point my finger at you. I hope you don't hear any of that. But that's where life takes us. And at some point you decide, is this together or not? Am I going to share this with somebody or not? If so, who is it? And I take a, I take a shot. They may not be my best friend, but there's somebody who I trust. There's somebody that I know belongs to Jesus. They, may, they know me well enough that if they looked at this list, they'd say, hey, why didn't you put that on there? I know that's a big deal to you. Why didn't you do that? And that helps us, right? We hear, we hear them. We adjust our list. We have a better list. We have a better plan. So that's my encouragement to you today. Uh, my hope is that you'll go work that and just see what happens. And for the people that are in your life, uh, let them know what's going on. Hey, I've tried this. I've identified some things. Uh, you know what they are. Thanks for your support and prayer on that. I may talk to you about that every once in a while. Uh, but go out and do it. It will be the difference maker. It will, it will put a final on this flourish thing, Andy. It'll take those seven weeks, and it won't be that deal where you just walk out of here and you kind of feel good. That wasn't that good. Then they sing well. Wasn't that great? And you never listen to God. I never listened to God. I didn't do what he was saying you could do today. Start here, Dave. So we're all in the same boat there. We're humans. But wouldn't it be something if Flourish ended up being the movement that you're talking about, Andy, and one day, oh, man. We look back on it and say, man, that was a turning point in my life. I made a decision then, maybe even in the way I've replenished my life and care for my soul, that has changed the very nature, has changed days and how I walk through them, even when they're hard sometimes. Man, wouldn't that be something? You know, I love, I love a series like this because there's so much practical work that we can do. And, and I think sometimes what we misunderstand is that the, it's usually the most practical things that end up being the most spiritual things. It's the practical things that give us the spiritual outcomes that we're looking for. But you have to take and live faith out with a plan. It's intentional. It's on purpose. It's not by accident. When you read scripture over and over, what you see is 
they're, they're trying to tell us you need to walk out your faith with eyes wide open. Don't be asleep. Be aware, be vigilant, be careful. And this series, it's trying to help us recognize that the peace that you're missing begins and ends with Jesus. But Jesus doesn't do any good if all you say is, I'll follow you, and he's over there in the distance and you're still standing where you said yes to him. You have to follow him day by day, step by step, letting, reading his word and then putting that word to work within you. So that way God can begin to come out and through you and the world begins to experience you in a new way as you experience the world in a new way. And so I wanna just pray for us as we close out today because I think there are so many people in this space, in this room, and your journey of faith, it's, it's rough. <laughs> you said yes to following Jesus and you thought that everything was gonna change or you've been following him for a while and you've been doing what you think is the right thing, but yet at the same time holding on to things that he's trying to pull out of your hands. And, and I just wanna pray over us that God would give us the encouragement and the strength today to take a step of faith that is going to move us into what Jesus says is life and life abundant. And so Heavenly Father, God, you're in this room right now, God, and I just pray, Lord, that your presence and your spirit, God, would put its finger, God, on the areas of our heart, Lord, that need to go. And God, I just pray, I pray, God, that you would give us an awareness, Lord, of the things, God, that fill us up and the things, God, that drain us. And that we would be willing, God, to take intentional time to sit down, Lord, pen and paper, and look at, Lord, this tool, this list, and, and work over time. Not just try to do it quickly, but to sit and to stare at that page and to let our soul settle to figure out what is it, God, in my life that needs to go? Where do I need to do less of, of me so I can begin to experience more of you? Where do I need to be more intentional with my time and my resources and my commitments instead of overfilling my life and my schedule so I can be busy, which is actually just distracting and numbing me, God, from the reality and the things that I need to be taking care of and, and focusing on. And God, I just pray that you would help us to realize that we, through you, have what it takes to change. And it's the small incremental, incremental differences, God, in our life that make the most significant swings and changes where we can experience and see the world in a brand new way. And God, I just pray, Lord, for those who are in here who have maybe have never said yes to following you, but they're exploring faith and they wanna know more about what it means to follow Jesus, that right now in this moment that they might not have all the answers, but they would at least be willing to say, today I will start to follow you, Lord. Jesus, I will let you be Lord of my life. I will take you at your word, even though it might not all make sense. I'm willing to accept that you are the son of God. You've died on a cross for my sins and that your word is going to bring me life if I will take it and, and put it to work within my heart, mind, and soul. God, work on us today. Breathe new life to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.